Welcome to the NCO Journal Podcast, where we explore NCO professional development. This is a podcast series where we discuss published articles with authors and provide a forum for the open exchange of ideas, information, and solutions. I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Brandon Cox, Senior Editor of the NCO Journal. With us today is Chago Zapata, the Managing Editor of the NCO Journal, and Sergeant First Class Isvaldo Akite, the NCOIC of the NCO Journal. Today we discuss the article, Want to Avoid a Flipple? Focus on Supply Discipline, by author Colonel Glenn A. Henke, and special guest, Sergeant Major Lawrence W. McKnight, Jr., the G-4 Sergeant Major for the 32nd Army Air and Missile Defense Command. Before we kick things off, could you please tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, certainly. So, uh, Colonel Glenn Henke, I'm the uh, Deputy Commanding Officer of the 32nd Army Air and Missile Defense Command. Uh, we're a division-level uh, warfighting headquarters. Uh, we're in charge of all CONUS Air Defense Artillery Brigades and the active component. Uh, so, we're the global force provider for all Air Missile Defense Forces. Uh, and we are also the uh, Army Air Missile Defense Command that uh, supports uh, CENTCOM. Uh, so, I've uh, been a career defender, um, served all over the world, uh, commanded the battery, battalion, and uh, brigade level. Uh, and so, got quite a bit of experience with the topic here. Um, th- th- those are the kind of the, the big the big takeaways. Thank you, sir. And uh, Sergeant Major, could you please tell us about yourself? Yep, Sergeant Major Lawrence W. McKnight, Jr. Uh, I'm originally a 92 Alpha Automated Logistics Specialist. So, uh, of course, supply is a, is a big deal for me, and I currently work with all the logistics that deal within the command. Can you please talk a bit about uh, what inspired you to write this article? No, certainly. So, um, over the years as a battalion and then as a brigade commander, kind of developed an informal uh, LPD that I would d- uh, discuss with captains uh, on uh, supply discipline. And my whole premise was um, I needed captains and their soldiers and NCOs focused on the supply discipline piece and not the command program. Because at the battery level, uh, command program doesn't really mean much. Uh, and I kind of highlight that in the article. Uh, but uh, what I found is I was giving the same LPD over and over again, and it seemed like it was worthwhile to uh, sort of flesh it out into an article. Also, based on uh, multiple conversations that I've been a part of in my current job, uh, so we're a direct uh, report unit to Forcecom. Uh, and so, you know, we, we get an opportunity to see Forcecom wide trends. Uh, so some of the things that I mentioned in the, the article uh, it, it, that kind of inspired me to write it were also things that were Forcecom was dealing with uh, across all of the uh, command. So that, that was sort of the premise of it. Uh, what I really want to do is provide something that was accessible and useful for, uh, you know, company level leaders, uh, their NCOs and their soldiers. If I could. I think that that kind of ties in with uh, why we decided to change the title of your article. You know, make it. You, you have, I think it's important to show NCOs at all levels. You know, why it's important that why this this topic is so important uh, because a lot of them are they're the ones who sign for the, a lot of the equipment and they they need to be responsible and they need to know that it could impact their pockets, which is why I changed we changed that title from uh, "Want to Avoid a Flipple," focus on supply discipline. And I think that's a, that's an important point. I think that I wanted to to make sure that that's included in in you know in our discussion. No, that's absolutely important. I think that uh, you know we're, we're we ask a lot of our NCOs uh, in with all things related to commanders programs. Uh, we have a one of the unfortunate side effects of focusing on something as a commanders program is 
uh, at the unit, small unit level, they tend to interpret that as it's the commander's responsibility to do everything. Uh, well, you know, no, no battery commander, company commander does everything. Um, they only succeed uh, through the work that their NCOs uh, and their platoon leaders and their soldiers do. So uh, that's what I really wanted to get at. So I, I think that the uh, change of title is uh, better, better than what I came up with originally, and I appreciate that. Supply discipline and, and the process and programs that supply puts in place for, for our equipment, um, our inventories, our cyclic inventories, all that stuff, everybody ends up putting their hands in that at some point in time, even if you're a junior enlisted, laying out the BII, whatever the case. When do you think that uh, it's most important for soldiers to get that training or that knowledge? And, and do you think that we're doing it correctly now? So one of the things I'm, I firmly believe is that, you know, different, there's certain things that you need to learn immediately as a junior enlisted soldier. Uh, and I sort of lay that out in, in the kind of the crosswalk. You know, for our youngest soldiers, we really only want them to do four things uh, successfully at supply discipline. The first is, you know, account for every, your, your, your TA-50 and OCIE, uh, do field recovery, uh, account for all the equipment that you've been assigned, whether it's a truck or, or anything like that, anything that's been subhandered seated to you, and then also just tell us when something is broken uh, the right way. So, you know, for young, for that's so fundamental that, you know, a unit that is only doing that correctly and teaching their youngest soldiers only to do that uh, will be doing much better than uh, a lot of other units uh, that I've had, uh, you know, experience with. Uh, and then, you know, when you get to be a young sergeant and then a platoon leader and a platoon sergeant, you're doing different things. So you're leading uh, your soldiers and training them on all those things. And then, uh, you know, there's a few tasks that are unique uh, to your level. You know, you're conducting those inventories. You're managing subhand receipts. Uh, you're doing, uh, you're supervising field recovery to make sure it's correct. And then uh, managing uh, shortages. Uh, and then... Again, as the battery level, uh, those those tasks change. Uh, so, you know, not so much of that you're doing individual things, but you're in organizing the work. Uh, you're carving out time for those inventories. You're doing those cyclic sensitive items inventories. You're organizing field recovery, uh, managing shortages, and so on. So that's, um, and also initiating flipples. So, you know, at, at every level, you're learning something uh, unique to that level. Uh, so the, the, sh the the short answer is, um, you know, you have to start learning it uh, for your grade uh, as soon as you enter that grade. If I can, I would jump on to this, too, that uh, I can go back to when I was a junior soldier and I did like a million layouts and I had no clue sometimes why we were doing it. But it instilled in some, it instilled something in me that I didn't even, I guess, realize it until I became a platoon sergeant where I understood how to have proper accountability, how to lay out things correctly, and then how to establish what's missing, what's not missing, and then do different processes and systems in place in order to make sure that I stayed on top of what I had. So starting off young is where you're going to get that instilled in you, and then it carries on throughout your career. Yeah, it's a, a lot of this education that we get on these, this program and the, the different uh, responsibilities that we have, we learn in the institutional domain at BLC, ALC, SLC, and things like that, PME for, for, for the NCO side, uh, for the enlisted side. But uh, 
a lot of this um, education needs to occur in the operational domain, down at the unit levels, down with NCOs, explaining to soldiers why these things are important and how they help uh, maintain equipment. And so I, I guess what I really liked about the article is the the breakdown of the different tasks at different levels. But I would have um, I would have liked to have seen an, uh, kind of an onus on on the NCOs at the squad levels, um, imparting some of that knowledge and walking through some of that stuff with their soldiers. Um, maybe maybe you can explain a little bit about um, about that role that the NCO has, uh, and, and maybe maybe how that should play out w- with the 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 task being split up this way. Well, sure. So I think that's inherent in the, you know, we, we focus on what we want the NCOs to do, the squads, the sections, platoons. Um, you know, there every there is a direct crosswalk uh, from the soldier's tasks to a leader task that is, first of all, in, in by definition, training them to do that. So conducting supply, uh, squad and platoon inventories, uh, that is, you know, where that training occurs. Um, doing the field recovery uh, operations, that's them executing it at the squad level is where this is what creates the training event uh, for the young soldier uh, to be able to execute. So, um, and that's where that that defines the tasks uh, as I listed them out there. So, you know, conducting an OCI inventory is a training event uh, inherently if it's done correctly. So that that's sort of where that goes on, um, and, and the the where where the focus needs to be. Now at the battery level, um, you, you really got to do is, hey, the, we got to do a change of command inventory or a cyclic uh, inventory, uh, and that creates the conditions, uh, you know, for the squads and the squads and platoons so that they can further train their soldiers. So that's, you know, what it, the crosswalk requires all levels of uh, the, you know, every echelon to be executing their tasks for their uh, re- level of responsibility, and that that creates the conditions for their uh, subordinates. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I did like about the article too is that you kind of protecting these um, these actions that happen that a lot of times don't that are supposed to happen, but they don't happen because of other tasks or other um, responsibilities that come up. But I really liked how how you put that onus on on commanders and leaders at every echelon to be able to conduct these. Um, actions after an exercise, after an operation or things like that. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, why that is so important to to conduct these activities to standard and then protecting that time? Oh, absolutely. So uh, when I was a brigade commander, you know, every quarter I would uh, go down to the battalions. We'd do their quarterly training briefs. Uh, and each battery would brief me on their plan. And what I found quite frequently, both myself and my command sergeant major, was uh, the units were shortchanging recovery. They were just trying, uh, th- and these are batteries, uh, you know, trying to go directly from one event to another, uh, and they they weren't carving out that time. So I was having to take training events off of their, t- having them take training events off their calendar, so that they could uh, first of all uh, execute the proper recovery, uh, and then in some cases uh, ensuring that you know they had done the individual uh, and small unit training leading up to the collective task. Uh, because it just, you know, I don't know if it's unique to air defense, but uh, because the certifications for the unit is at the battery level, uh, that's the first level of, uh, you know, readiness certification, the table eight. 
because the battery is the fire unit, there's a tendency to try to jump straight into the collective training. Uh, so that was uh, something that I, that I witnessed. And those units that would execute recovery uh, would typically have a lot less uh, problems uh, with uh, being able to, you know, keep accountability for their equipment, but more importantly, be postured for the next training event uh, or the next mission. So our major as a senior NCO, how do you see this uh, implementation uh, being carried out? It can probably be seen as a little bit overkill, but it wasn't overkill. Uh, when I was in First Striker Brigade, well, it was then First Striker Brigade in uh, Fort Wayne, right, Alaska, we had a brigade deliberate recovery plan, and it had everything lined out. It was checklist associated. You had follow-ups that you had to do. There was briefings that you had to put out. And then when you weren't meeting the timeline that you weren't that you were supposed to meet, yeah, you had to stay a little bit later. But the idea remained the same that you got to the point that you got to the end result that you were looking for. And that was to have your proper accountability, your proper recovery, your proper maintenance, and then it postures you for what was next. If uh, if you were looking to use this article as an asset for, for say, sergeant's time, how would you do that? So I'll, I'll defer the sergeant's time uh, class to uh, Sergeant Major McKnight. What I will say is um, one of the because of some of the trends that I highlighted uh, in my current position, you know, so we have directed that all of our battery uh, and company commanders prior to assuming command and starting their change of command inventories will take a uh, a, a distributed uh, class on teams run by our comet team uh, so that uh, to you know, so that they can avoid some of the pitfalls and make sure that they are certified. Uh, and our G4 um, has added this article as part of the, you know, the mandatory reading. And I'll defer to Sergeant Major McKnight for the, uh, you know, how an NCO would, uh, could, could incorporate this into Sergeant's time training. Yes. Uh, how I would see it is that uh, I like the book Start With Why, and I think the article gives a why behind what it is that they're doing and then on top of that it gives the specific responsibilities and roles that each echelon has and what they should be doing in order to make sure that we're all successful so i think and given a uh sergeant times training it would be to it, sergeant times training slash lpd will be to give them the understanding and that would help i think this article can help promote that discussion and allow them to get why it is that they're supposed to be having this proper accountability. And then on top of that, you can add in the the financial portions that come along with it. So even with the 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 uh, title change, it lines all up to first give them a tension grabber. This can affect your pockets. And then the next part is this is why and this is how this affects readiness. This how this affects training. And then being able to provide, especially if you're a, a senior NCO, being able to provide uh, stories regarding things that might have happened with throughout their career, and if I think it would uh it would greatly uh, support the idea of having command supply discipline and just knowing what it is that you're supposed to be doing at Echelon. I don't suppose you have any stories you could tell. At least one story you could tell us, Sergeant Major, uh, just to kind of maybe help some of these NCOs kick things off. Well, well, we can go with uh, something simple as far as OCIE. And so I'll go back to when I was in Fort Bragg. So you're supposed to do OCIE layouts quarterly. And if the NCO didn't lay out that or have the soldier lay out their OCIE and then it came to a time where they were missing items, they can be accountable for the items that their soldiers lost. 
Now, while, yes, it's, it's an individual's responsibility, it still was a leader's responsibility to make sure that they were checking on them regularly to have, make sure that they have the items that they're supposed to have. So if you're held accountable for what someone else's actions are, then you should have uh, a more invested interest in making sure that you're doing the right things at your echelon. What are some of the typical fiscal or professional consequences that are common for uh, a loss of property or accountability issues? One of the things um, that I mentioned in the article, my current job, I'm responsible for reviewing and approving uh, all the flipples for our command over $100,000. So um, I, I, I have front row seats uh, to what can happen uh, when I am directing, uh, you know, approving a recommendation of accountability, you know, someone be assessed financial liability, um, you know, one half of one month's pay times two, uh, sort of thing, uh, because you know, in the in the flip, obviously, if it gets over a hundred thousand dollars at my level, we're looking at some pretty significant bills. Sure. Um, at the at the most at more uh, at levels below, let's say at the platoon level, uh, if you got a platoon leader who doesn't do the Subhand receipt management and doesn't make the you know doesn't have their NCOs and soldiers sign for their equipment and then something gets lost, uh, then that platoon leader is you know going to be held uh, usually be held accountable either through a statement of charges or uh, through another flipple based on the uh, you know if it uh, exceeds the uh, the base pay which you know in the in the kind of things that we're talking about is usually the case. Um, so I mean it can have uh, and then as a senior rater. Uh, both as a battalion commander and a brigade commander, um, you know, when, when I have uh, battery commanders, platoon leaders um, who are, you know, fail to maintain accountability, uh, then, you know, that's that maintain accountability of the property is not excellence. That's baseline success. Uh, so, you know, the, whether whether you're responsible for $10,000 worth of equipment or $10 million of equipment, if you if you fail to keep accountability of it, uh, then you fail to meet one of your tasks. And as a senior rater, I'm going to take that into account. Um, obviously, every situation is going to be different, so there's no there's no single answer to that question, but uh, it, it will absolutely affect it. So, uh, and I'll defer to our major on, uh, you know, on the NCO side. Um, I will say that, you know, um, on the flipples that I deal with, um, and as a battalion and brigade commander, um, by the time it gets to me, uh, we've moved beyond the, the NCO's, uh, and in terms of responsibility, we're talking mainly at the property book holder. Uh, so, Sergeant Major McKnight, I'll let you take it from there. For NCOs wise and, and enlisted as a whole, what when it's when things are done properly, then you have your personnel. They're signing for what they're supposed to sign for, and then once it's lost, the I, the whole idea of and I think we have a we do have a problem with this at times is. Number one, doing the hand doing the subhand receipts, and then number two, once a sub if a subhand receipt has happened, then holding them accountable for their equipment. And then when you do it properly, then I've seen it where I've had I've had a commander who it wasn't necessarily there was a lot of different issues that that took place, but the end result ended up being that personnel there was some things that were missing and then it ended up being like eighty thousand dollars that they had to pay for because of a lack of of basically systems in place correct signing for equipment and then you have some junior junior leaders that kind of can get a, can get away but 
once you hold them accountable and you actually make sure that they have what they're supposed to have or do what they're supposed to be doing, then they'll face the financial um, liability that they're supposed to face. Uh, sir, what do you think is the most or or the couple most important ways that, that our Army can get after a better supply discipline? Obviously, uh, you know, jokingly reading this article, I think it would be a great step. But no, in, in all seriousness, I think that um, at where I sit uh, at, you know, a division level headquarters uh, and, you know, looking supervising brigades and battalions, um, what we need them to do is being able to take a look at how they're managing uh, cyclic inventories. Um, I think that um, based on lots of experience, I think that a lot of units aren't aren't executing them correctly. Uh, sensitive items inventories tend to get done very well because everybody understands that. But cyclics, uh, we see battery commanders either delegating them sometimes, and that's not just here, this is across my career, or just not getting done. Uh, and the one thing to understand is, you know, the regulation says it has to be cyclic. It, it doesn't say it has to be monthly. Uh, and so, you know, we, I know that uh, some units in 18th Airborne Corps have taken to doing their cyclics quarterly. So they're doing fewer inventories when they do them they're inventorying more things um, but they're also able to catch up uh, with everything and that that that's kind of the second uh piece on that is you know we, we have to have um you know a, a cohort of professionals enabling this success and that's really uh at the battery uh and battalion level uh, we're talking about our supply sergeants uh you know our, our ssas um ensuring that they all have uh, all those, um, you know, personnel who who make the system work because it's incredibly technical. Uh, and if you have a platoon leader who's doing everything correctly, if the supply sergeant is not doing their job, uh, then you're not going to be successful because they just the, the the platoon leader can't update the electronic paperwork uh, goes on there. So finding ways to make that more efficient, uh, and then also I think the other big thing is we've we've got to really take a hard look as an army at, at how we do shortage management. Um, it, it, this, the process is confusing. It's not well-trained, um, or it's not trained at all, I would say. And then, uh, we've got a situation where if, for instance, um, so there's a piece of, there's a shortage that's been on there, um, that they're accountable for, uh, and they go into a, you know, inventory and it's missing and then they try to order it. And then we find out that it's a certain condition code, which means, uh, the army has decided that we're not going to order that ever again. So they, they, there's literally nothing they can do, but it still shows up in the um, the, the bill of materials is something they're accountable for. So we're wasting a lot of people's time. Um, and I guess, you know, I said that was my last one, but I, I think the other piece is what we really have to do is educate this. On the office, I won't speak for the NCOs, uh, but on the officer side, I will say this is simply not taught at all. Uh, um, it is not part of uh, the captain's career course. It is, um, I think they've relegated to some distance learning, um, but that's, uh, it is It is simply not part of our institutional base. Uh, and I know that for um, for most of our NCO uh, courses, you know, the only the only folks who really get a lot of focus on this are those, you know, individ, those NCOs like, you know, Sergeant Major McKnight who are in supply-related MOSs. Uh, but, you know, there's nowhere I'm teaching platoon leaders and, you know, future platoon leaders and future battery commanders uh, hey, how does Z Park work? How does G Army work? Um, how do you have to? Uh, here's how you build a subhander seat. Uh, I, that's something I had to figure out for myself as a platoon leader. 
uh, you know, being assisted by others in the organization. But there's no there was no school solution to that problem other than to say just do it. So I, I think those are for me. Those are kind of the big the big takeaways um, to the you know to address the problem from an army perspective. Sergeant Major, I, w- I want to ask you the same question. Uh, what do you think are some of the most important ways that the enlisted population can get after supply discipline? I would say education, training, repetitions, and accountability. With the education, I will even speak, even being in logistics, even institutional training doesn't go over some of the things that you end up learning at your unit. And it's it's kind of mind-blowing, but it's it, it's the truth. You end up learning these things at the unit level. So that education and starting with why of how and what it is and the reasons behind it, that's the first part. The next part is training to go ahead and show them the correct way to do things. This is how you lay out. This is what you're supposed to, this is how the paperwork goes. But again, that's once you've had that education on it, the next part, the repetitions, if you're doing it consistently, then you're going to have it, it's going to be instilled in you and it's going to become a part of you. And then the accountability part is if you do lose it, doing the correct steps, statement of charges, flip whatever have you, and holding those personnel accountable. If you do, if you're doing all those things, then you're going to get to the right place. When we're not doing it, if we fail at any level of any one of those, then we're going to have problems, and we're going to consistently have problems. Yeah, I think this is a this is a great article. Um, I hope uh, our audience out there takes this and conducts those informal LPDs or, or develops some, sign, some kind of certain time training to, to kind of emphasize this a, a more uh, echelon. So uh, definitely appreciate um, the article, sir, and definitely appreciate your, your, your insights, Sergeant Major. Did you guys have any final thoughts? No, I mean, I, I, again, I think that, uh, as I mentioned in the article, we're – the Army is remarkably tolerant of failure, except when it comes to uh, this. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we've got a lot of lessons that have been uh, observed and unnecessarily learned. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, as leaders, we owe it to uh, everyone that we lead in order to make sure so that they don't have to learn those same things. And the other piece is um, by focusing on what, you know, we want people to do, I think we put the power back in the hands of our non-commissioned officers. Because, again, when we focus on commanders programs, it tends to you know, many battery commanders kind of think of this, it's this commander's job. Um, and, and that's not necessarily the case. It, it's, we got to empower, we got to leverage our NCO core uh, to be able to execute this. And, and that's really the way we've always been successful at everything. And I don't see that changing anytime in the near or distant future. Thank you for joining us. And thank you to our audience. Remember to put your knowledge to the page, submit articles and get published with the NCO journal. Don't forget to check out our webpage, and follow us on social media. We'll catch you next time on the YouTube Journal Podcast.